kind of pick up where we left off last week. Going to talk about living this blessed life. I'm truly blessed because of Jesus Christ. And, and I know that you are too. And Psalm chapter 84 is really uh, a passage of Scripture that talks a lot about this blessed life. So Psalm 84, beginning at verse 1, I, I want you to read along with me. It says, How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield, and he will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I pray that you will help me today as I preach to represent it properly and effectively to your people. I pray for the ears of your people as they are listening today that they will not be distracted by other things. I pray, Lord God, that for the next few moments that they will make a decision to focus their, their minds and their thoughts upon you. Lord God, that if they're using their cell phones, that they'll be following along in the Word of God and not texting with other people, but they will take this moment, Lord, to focus upon what you are saying to us this morning. And I give you thanksgiving and praise, for I will ask it in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Are you focused? Are you ready to hear today? I'm focused and I'm ready to preach. So I know good things are going to happen because God does not allow His Word to go out and return to Him unfruitful. It is always fruitful and accomplishes everything that He has called it to do. So today we want to talk about and continue thinking about this idea of being blessed. I'm truly blessed because of God. The Psalm, uh, chapter 84, was written by a group called the Sons of Korah. This was not a, a Davidic psalm. It was written by the sons of Korah. And they were talking in particular about what it means to be blessed when you are in the house of Zion. Now, the house of Zion in the Old Testament was a reference to the people of God. We know that there was no church in the Old Testament as there is in the New Testament. The New Testament uh, ushered in the day of the local church in Acts chapter 2. But in the Old Testament, there was the body of Christ. It was referred to many, many times as Zion. So they understood that when anybody was talking about Zion, they were talking about the people of God. 
and, and the community of God, if you will. And so they were talking about what it means and how it fleshes out in our lives to be in the community of Zion. Now, last week, we started by talking about how important it is for us to recognize who God is. How can we be blessed by God if we don't know who He is and what He can accomplish in our lives? And so we talked about five names that the sons of Korah gave us to identify who God is. First of all, they talked about the Lord Almighty. We see it in verse 1, verse 3, verse 8, and verse 12. And Almighty is a reference to the power of God. In other words, God has sufficient power to do anything that needs to be done. He is an almighty, all-powerful God. Secondly, the sons of Korah recognize him as the living God. We see this in verse 2. And this title talks about how he is alive and active in Zion. In other words, he is providing everything that have, we have need of. We talked about how that he is our energy. He is that force within us that gives us the energy that we need to live successfully and fight the battles that we have to fight successfully. And then he referred to him as, the sons of Korah referred to him as my king and my God in verse 3, which is a reference to his preeminence. In other words, there is no God like our God. How many of you remember the old song we used to sing years ago? There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. Can I remind you today that there is no God like Jehovah? Amen? He is the preeminent one. And then the sons of Korah recognized him as the God of Jacob in verse 8. Notice he didn't say he's the God of Abraham, didn't say he's the God of Moses, didn't say he's the God of Elijah, but he said he is the God of Jacob. Jacob was a deceitful supplanter. He was the guy that was always in trouble. He was the guy that was always creating chaos for everyone that's around them. Do you know anybody like that? Don't look at anybody right now. You know, don't shoot your eyes across the congregation or anything like that. But we know that there are people, and as, as we were, some of us, supplanters, deceitful, wicked in every way. But thank God, the point is that He is willing to bless those who will come to Him and give Him their lives. And so He is a God of purpose. And then finally... He, they, they referred to him as the God, our shield. He is our protection. He allows us to fight our battles. We are surrounded by him. We may feel like we're surrounded by the things of the world. We may feel like that we're surrounded by the enemy of our soul. And it is right that he is all around us. He is doing everything he can to kill us, steal from us, destroy from us. He lies about us. He is doing everything to accuse us. But thank God we serve a God who looks beyond what the enemy tries to do and stands up for us and surrounds us with his love and his grace and his power. So we are blessed because of that. So we, we summarize this by saying this. The first ingredient of a truly happy and blessed life 
is to recognize God as the all-powerful, graciously providing, preeminent one whose purpose it is to transform us and protect us for his glory. If you didn't get all that in your ear, it's on the screen. You should be able to see that. God is good and we are blessed because of who he is. So today we want to continue on this journey and I want to mention just a few more evidences of a blessed life. And the next thing that I would like to mention to you is that being blessed by him brings about to us in our lives a desire for more of him. You see, when we are blessed by him, we want more of him. We have a desire to achieve higher goals. We have a desire to live and walk in this faith. We have a desire to be more like Christ. We used to sing to be like Jesus, to be like Jesus. That's all I ask is to be like him. The reason we can say that is because we know how good he is and how mighty Jesus is. We know what he's done for us. We know what he has still yet promised to do for us. And we want to be like him. In 80, chapter 84, verses 2 and 3, he said, My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young, even your altars, O Lord of hosts. He's talking about a desire here that emanates and comes out of us, inside of us. There is a desire to be in the courts of the Lord. Now he's not just talking about being in the presence of God. The truth of the matter is, is that you and I are in the presence of God every moment of every day because he lives and dwells within us. He has made his home in us. We are blessed because the spirit of God lives within us. He has taken up residence in us. But he is specifically talking about being in Zion. And so what he is saying is, is that when you find yourself in Zion, you will find yourself in a place where the blessings of God are everywhere. And you will be so blessed by the presence of other people and the community of faith and God's high and best blessing for us that you'll go away saying, I can't wait to get back there again. I can't wait to get back into Zion again. I can't wait to stand in the presence of God again. <clears throat> you know, I several years ago when I was a young pastor, I used to try everything that I could think of to try to get people to come to church. I mean, I've given stuff away. I mean, we've done, we've done big events. We've had big name people come in through the years. I mean, we paid lots of money to get somebody to come in that has a name that would draw people in and we could fill the church up. But you know what I've discovered? This is true. Whatever it takes for you to get them here, you will have to keep doing that to keep them coming. Unless there's a group of people who are saying, I'm not coming for the show. 
And I'm not coming for the personality. And I'm not coming for the name. I'm coming for a couple of reasons. Number one, I'm coming to shower my Lord and my Savior with high praises because He has been good to me. And I have come so that I can be a blessing to others. No, I didn't come so that the church could bless me. And I didn't come so that the pastor could give me goosebumps. And I didn't come so that the praise team could make me feel good. I came to give praise to God. And I came to edify and bless those who are in the body of Christ with me. So when I come walking towards you, when we gather in the house of the Lord, I'm not coming to get anything from you, but I'm coming to give some some good things to you. I'm trying to bless you. I want to love on you because I have a desire to see you blessed. Amen. So he's talking about what it means to be blessed. There is a desire that falls upon us when we have been blessed by God. I want you to look at verse 10. I love this passage. It says, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. I like that. Just one day in your courts. Ah, sometimes we can't last an hour and a half because, you know, we've got fried chicken that's going to happen. Or we want to go down to Popeye's and get one of those naked new uh, chicken sandwiches and see if we can't get in a fight with somebody over it and and that kind of thing. We've got other things on our minds and we're thinking about this and thinking about that and, and, and wanting to get out. But listen, what they're talking about is I took the trouble to come to Zion. I took the trouble to get here in the presence of God and in, in the presence of my people in my community and to express my faith and my worship and to bless others and I'll be flipped if I'm going to rush out of here and hurry out of here because when God is moving in the midst of his people I'm telling you there's no place I'd rather be than in the presence of God and where his people are so we must have a desire secondly To be blessed means that we're walking with Him. Now I want you to look at verses 5 and 6. It says, blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. I want you to notice this word pilgrimage. Because in the old days, they had to actually pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Where the people of God met was Jerusalem. And they would come from all over the region and all over the area in order to gather together in Jerusalem. And so they would pilgrimage. There were times that they would go for a week at a time, sometimes for a month at a time. For other times, they'd shut down their work, they'd shut down what was going on, and they would pilgrimage with the other people of God so that they could get to Jerusalem and come together as the body of Christ. And so what he's talking about here is a journey. What he's talking about is this walk with the Lord where we come out of where we are in our daily lives in order to come into the presence of God. Listen, I don't know if you know this or not, but you need the church. You know, there's this theory now today that says, well, 
you know, I really don't need to attend church. I can watch it on TV. I can watch this one, that one, or the other one. But I don't have to go to the house of God. And besides that, I'm one of those people I don't really like to interact with others. I'm afraid somebody might hug my neck and I hate getting hugged. Let me tell you something. I don't mind being hugged by the people of God who are genuine and want to express love to me. I don't want this and I don't want that and I'd rather just stay home and I don't want to get up and have to clean my and shower and brush my teeth and comb my hair so that I can go to a house where there are people there that I don't even know who they are. Well, listen, if you don't know who they are, they are, I know one way for you to find out who they are. That's for you to go over to them and shake their hand and say, my name is Billy Jean. What's yours? I need to get to know you. Do we have any Billy Jeans in the house today? I just wondered. I, I thought I'd be safe with that one. But I'm telling you, we got to walk together. We got to walk with the Lord. We're in this thing together. We are in this thing together. And then he says, we are all passing through the valley of Baca. You know what Baca means? It literally means weeping. It means that there are times and seasons in our lives when we will go through stuff that will bring tears and frustration and hurt. And so many times when we get in that valley of Baca, we want to we disassociate with the people of God because we don't want anyone to know that we're struggling and that we're dealing with frustration. But listen, what he's talking about here is traveling and moving through the valley of Baca together. We all have times in our lives when we weep. We all have bad days. We all have difficult times. We all have times when we have to throw ourselves, uh, our faces upon the ground and cry out to God and know that if He doesn't come through on our behalf, there's no way that we're going to survive. But listen, we've got a body of Christ here today. We've all been through junk. We've all been through stuff. We all have a testimony that we can give to others and let them know that when you're going through a time of difficulty and frustration, know this, you are not alone. God is with you and the people of God are with you as well. Don't ever forget that when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, We don't have to fear evil because God is with us. Amen. Aren't you glad that he is with us today? One final thing about this idea of Baca. It goes on and it says, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools and they go from strength to strength. What they're saying is, is that when we're going through our most difficult day is our greatest opportunity to influence other people. It says, while you're walking through Baca, you can make that place a spring. You can cause fruit to spring up when you're going through your darkest moment and your darkest day. Listen, so many times we let Baca bring us down. So many times we we let Baca just steal our joy and steal our strength and, and cause us to feel like that we cannot make it. But I'm here to tell you today that the Lord God that we serve today, who has blessed you today, will not leave you comfortless when you are in the valley of Baca, but He will stand with you and walk beside you and give you the ability to go from strength to strength to strength. Amen. 
I told my wife just yesterday how proud I was of her. Most of you know that she's been struggling with some issues for the last few months. And she was recently diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. And we've been going through that whole process of what that's going to look like and what it feels like. But yesterday I got up and I was having one of those lazy days. Do you ever like to have a lazy day on Saturday? I'm sitting in my lazy boy recliner being a lazy boy. And just kind of enjoying life. And I noticed my wife got up. She came in. She said, good morning. And she's like a busy bee all around the house. She's doing this. She's doing that. She told me, she said, I'm going to make you some bacon and eggs today. And I said, oh, hallelujah. Praise God. I received that blessing. She got it. She's in there. She's making it. And then she got done with that. And, and then she's doing something else. I said, what are you doing? She said, I'm making you a cake so that you can have that later on tonight. I'm saying, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And by the end of the day, she's done my laundry. She is, she's done all these wonderful things to me. And she got a smile on her face. And she just kept on going and kept on going. She's like the Energizer Bunny. She just kept going and wiggling herself ready to do whatever needed to be done. And I told her, I said, I want you to know, baby, I'm so proud of you. Because you've decided that you're not going to let this thing get the best of you. You're not going to let this thing bring you down. You're not going to let this thing defeat you. But you've made up your mind that you're going to serve the Lord with gladness even when journeying through the valley of Baca. So I want you to know today that you can be blessed even in your Baca. Amen. Then, then the next thing that we, that we have to understand is that when we are blessed... It's because we have the opportunity to speak to God, to pray. Notice verses 8 and 9. It says, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give me your ear, O God of Jacob. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. Listen, one of the greatest resources that we have in this blessed life is prayer. And it's amazing to me how so few engage in it. It's amazing how so many just allow the stuff of life to prevent us from going boldly into the throne of grace so that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. There are great statements that he makes here. First of all, he knows who to pray to. He says, hear my prayer, O Lord God Almighty. Powerful one, hear me. Mighty one, hear me. The one who is above all others, hear me. I pray to you. I cry out to you. I call out to you today. I know that you will hear me. And then he asked him to listen to him. He said, give me your ear. In the original Hebrew, what this literally means is, is that he's asking God to bend down to where he is. He's asking God to leave all of the greatness of his grandeur and glory and come down to where he is and hear him and listen to him. I think one of the greatest passages of scripture that I remember is when Stephen in the New Testament is giving his life for the Lord Jesus Christ. They're stoning him on the outskirts of town and all because of his witness and all because of his willingness to live for Jesus Christ. 
But there's a place in that scenario and in that story where it says he looked into the heavens and he saw the Son of God not seated, not just twiddling his thumb, not just wasting the day away, but he looked up and he saw the Son of God. He was standing so that he could receive Stephen at his passing. Amen. Listen, let me tell you, when it seems like that God is nowhere around you, when it seems like that he doesn't know what you're going through, let me remind you, if he stood for Stephen, he will stand for you. He is prepared to help you and to give you the hope that you need. Amen. He said, been down here, Father. Listen to me. And then he said, look with favor upon your anointed one. He said, God, I need some favor today. I need for you to do some things on my behalf that will allow me to experience this blessed life on another level. And he said, bless me, favor me. Listen, can I say this to you today? I've been here before when I have fallen short of the glory of God. I didn't say what I thought I should say. I didn't do what I thought I should do. I fell short of his glory. Scripture says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The apostle Paul said the things that I would do, I didn't do. And the things that I wouldn't do, I did do. How many of you can relate to that? And it's so, many, it's so easy in those moments to say, well, I have failed God. And so I'm not going to pray. I'm, I'm embarrassed to go into the presence of God. I am embarrassed. I, I don't think I can approach him knowing that I had that thought about that person or that I acted upon this impulse or that I did this or did that. I, I don't think I can go before him. <clears throat> Let me tell you that that's the time you need to approach him more than any other time is that you go boldly into the throne of grace knowing uh, that even if you've fallen short of the glory of God, that you are still covered uh, by the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. You approach him with boldness and know that he will hear you and that he will answer your prayer. And then finally today, there's one other evidence. And it is this idea of continual trust in God. Did you ever think of something in your life that you didn't really know how to do? I'm thinking about my grandson, Ben, and how that just a few months ago, he was not even playing the bass guitar. And we needed a bass guitar player because the pastor was tired of doing it. And he just, out of the blue, he said, oh, I could play the bass. I said, do you know how? He said, no, but I can learn. And he kind of got that thing and started practicing. A couple of guys gave him some pointers. And he plays in our worship experience now every Sunday morning. And I told him just a couple of weeks ago, I said, I'm proud of you, son. I said, because I've noticed that you're not just playing the basic chords, but you're kind of moving around now and you're juicing it up some. I like that. It's because you're comfortable in doing it. It's because you are learning. It's because you are able. And let me tell you something. Our spiritual journey is a little that way. When we first get saved, we don't know what the expectations of God and the Spirit of God are. But we've got our eyes set upon the prize. And we've determined that we are going to follow the things of the kingdom of God. 
And over time, we learn. Over time, we learn how to forgive people. And over time, we learn how to give. And in time, we learn how uh, to do other things and pray. And, and other times, we get filled with the Spirit. And we start speaking in tongues as the Spirit of God gives us the utterance. And I know people who are afraid that they might get filled with the Spirit and have to speak in an unknown language. Listen, if you ever know what that experience actually does for you, you wouldn't be afraid afraid of it, you'd be lining up to be received, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit because it is one of the greatest blessings uh, in your prayer life. will take you to a level where you've never been before. But we learn how to trust God. Come help me quit if you will. We learn how to trust God. Notice verses 11 and 12. It says, for the Lord God is a sun and a shield And the Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Now let me point out a couple of things here that you need to understand. First of all, it says that God will give us grace and glory. Grace is that thing that none of us deserve. None of us deserve grace. Not one of us. It's like, well, you're the pastor of the church. Surely you do. No. I'm a child of God just like you are. I started just like you did. Just because I'm called to pastor and preach and teach doesn't mean that I got up on any of you. Everything that I have acquired in this walk with Christ has come because of His graciousness to me. Grace. He said, I'll give you grace. I'm convinced with everything in me that there are men and women in this house today that you feel that you don't deserve the blessings of God. Let me just remind you that that is from the enemy of your soul. The devil does not want you to get this in your spirit that you can be blessed because of him. Because he knows that once you recognize that you are blessed by God, and you recognize all the resources that are available to you, that you're going to be one hard person to deal with in the realm of the Spirit. Because you're not going to just barely get by. You're going to start thriving in the kingdom of God. You're going to talk kingdom talk. You're going to do kingdom things. You're going to live kingdom principles. You're going to sow kingdom seed. You're going to live in such a manner that your life will take on new meaning because you are walking and you are trusting in the Lord. He says, I'll give you grace. And then he says, I'm going to give you glory. He will give glory. Where's the glory going to land? Well, the glory's going to land on us. Now listen, it's not so that we can walk around like a bunch of peacocks with our feathers all spread out saying, look at me. Look at me, the glory of God all over me. I'm beautiful. I have multiple colors. Look at me. I'm sweet. I'm powerful. I'm a peacock in the kingdom of God. No, that's, that's not the reason that he does that. Every glory that we ever have bestowed upon us will always be turned back to him so that the glory that may be upon us 
is only there temporarily because ultimately it's going to go back to Him, back to God, back to our Savior. There's going to come a day when we're in glory, when we are crowned with many crowns. But it's not so that we can strut around in heaven and tell everybody how great we are or how great we were. But it's so that we can take those crowns uh, and lay them at the feet uh, of our Savior who gave his life for us. Trust. This word trust is plural. It doesn't mean that I just trusted him one time. It doesn't mean that I trusted him on Tuesday of last week and so I'm good to go. No. It's talking about a journey. It's talking about going from strength to strength to strength, from strength, from glory to glory to glory to glory. It never ends. Our need for His resources never ends. We always need them. But the good news is, is that with every step we take, uh, He is there to supply our every need. And we can trust Him. We can trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him. Believe in Him. Listen. We're all going to end up in the same place one of these days. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to close on a negative note. Because I, it's not a negative thing for the child of God. For those in Zion, death is not the end. No, it, it, it's only the beginning of eternity. It's the beginning I was talking to my wife this morning. I've been thinking about some people that I love and that are close to me, people that we've known for many years. I don't know what it is about when you get to our age, and we're young, by the way. I just want you to know that. We're still very young, but we're at the age where some of our friends are getting bad reports, that some of them are dying. And I don't say that in a bad way because they, they're experiencing the presence of Jesus Christ. And they're there in His presence. I have every, every belief that that's true. People that we've known through the years. Names that I could call off that many of you would recognize. People like T.L. Lowry, Ray H. Hughes, Gene D. Rice, others. They, Gene's not gone, but I've noticed that he's getting older. And he get, as he gets older, the effects of aging tends to take over in some ways. And if we're not careful, we can get discouraged and depressed and upset because I'm fighting this physical battle and I'm fighting this sickness and I'm fighting this disease and I'm, I'm fighting this thing and I'm having to take this medication and, and I'm having to do that and I'm having to use a walker and I'm, I'm having to use a cane and I'm having to do this and that just to barely get by. Let me tell you, you may be walking through the valley of Baca, but you're not walking alone. You're not by yourself. And as you journey, you're not journeying to a place of defeat, but you are journeying to a place of eternal victory. Amen. Oh, there's coming a day in our lives where we'll never shed a sorrowful tear again. We'll never feel another pain in our body. We will never be discouraged. We will never be distraught. 
because we will be in the presence of God Almighty. He will wipe away our tears and every sickness and disease will be left behind as we leave behind these fleshly bodies and pick up and take on the Spirit of God. Oh, I don't know about you. I'm excited about it. I'm ready for it. You know, I don't, I don't know if God's going to take me today or not. That, that may be his choice. And if he does, I'm ready. I have no, no reason to doubt anything as it pertains to my salvation. As long as he leaves me, though, I've made up my mind. I'm going to walk like a blessed man ought to walk. I'm going to square my spiritual shoulders, uh, and I'm going to tell the devil, you can try your best, old boy, but I'm telling you, no matter how hard you fight against me, here's how I'm going to fight my battles. I'm going to give praise uh, to the King of kings uh, and to the Lord of lords, uh, for he is worthy to receive glory and honor and power and praise. Stand with me this morning if you will. Hallelujah.